Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. You know who it is. You know what it is. An Immigrant's Life on Instagram, Facebook, any platform you listen to. For the YouTube subscriber, I appreciate it. We're growing. Let's go. Also, guys, if you're following me on one platform, I'd appreciate it if you follow me on the other platforms too. Even though you don't have to listen to them, but it it helps the podcast. Okay? So I, I'll appreciate that. It takes two seconds. It's free. You know what I mean? Do it for me. So enough for that call to action. I want to check out on you. How you guys doing? I hope you're not stressing too much. I hope you're exercising. I hope... You're finding ways to stay positive or if like me, your home feels more like the office, gym, and classroom than it does a home lately. My simple trick to bring calm into my space is to light candles. But did you know traditional paraffin wax candles are toxic and harmful to your health? That's why I use Driftwood Naturals 100% Soy Candles. You can fully relax with therapeutic essential oil scents. Plus, you'll rest easy knowing your family and home are safe with natural, clean, burning candles. Canadian-made, vegan, and eco-friendly. This is a product you can feel good to have in your home. For a limited time, my Canadian listeners can take an additional 10% off. You'll pay no taxes and get free shipping on orders over $80. Use promo code AIL10 on driftwoodnaturals.ca. Hurry offers expires April 6. Driftwood Naturals, lighting the path for incredible stories of immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. And that's the business. Let's talk about the episode. Today's guest is a fascinating and a very beautiful individual inside and out. So... I'm pretty sure you will love her. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today our guest is Juan Cool Brasileira. She's a musician, an audio producer, and a sound engineer. Everyone, please welcome Leticia Barbosa. Hello, guys. My name is Leticia. I am from currently living in Montreal. And I'm a sound engineer, as I said uh yeah mm. would you like to promote anything uh well uh, if you ever need a mixing post-production done um what else i do live live engineering recording just you can contact me on facebook uh or instagram my instagram is uh letty b underscore s e Mm, that's cool anyway as i mentioned you're a musician mm-hmm. and i know you play the guitar I pretty do. well actually oh thanks <laughs> uh, do you play any other musical instruments uh no not really like I, a little bit i have like a harmonica that i, I fuck around with mm. a little bit and like some singing bowls i like singing bowls a what lot is that? <laughs> It's like that. It's like that. The uh, Buddhist 
kind of thing. It's like a boat that you like. Oh. You put like, and it does like it's just like a sine wave, like a frequency, mm-hmm. and like every depending on the size of the bow, it makes a different type of frequency and different type of sine wave, and it's it's good for for you for your energy field, whatever it it it, it helps you with that, or like even some type of uh, anxiety or like stress or stuff like that. Mm. So, again, you're here because of your. I would like to talk to you about your immigration story. So, where were you from originally? I'm from uh, this uh, small town in Brazil uh, called uh, Caraguatatuba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's in the shore of São Paulo. So, like the state of São Paulo. São Paulo is very known. So, like there's the state. And then at the shore near the ocean, it's my town. I know, it's so beautiful. Why did you move to Montreal? My parents. <laughs> what a, my parents wanted to move to Montreal. I still don't know why Montreal. We could have gone to a warmer place. <laughs> but whatever. It's all good. Montreal's beautiful. Oh, yeah, it is. I still love Montreal so much. Yeah, weather sucks, but... Well, it's just the winter. The winter is horrible and it's painful, but... But, like, summer in Montreal, it's really fun. Like, I love mm-hmm. Montreal in the summer. It's just the winter that sucks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, how old were you when you moved here? I was 15. Oh, you're 15. I was so, 15. you spent your childhood in Brazil. I spent, yeah, I spent my, my childhood in Brazil. Yeah, I and grew up there. how was that? It was awesome. It was really, really great. Like, I, like I said, like, I leave like in in a beach town you know so um i would go to the beach all the time um to go to school uh i would my way to go to school was like right by the ocean so i'd see the sunrise every morning to go to school uh, it was great it was great and plus like in brazil like the way my school was it was like we would start at 7 a.m and we would finish at noon so i still had all day long to just like play on the street with my friends and like go to the beach or like just chill all day mm. yeah so half a day that's yeah. pretty good yeah the, my school finished at noon so it was great mm. yeah. and what was your fondest memory growing up in brazil fondest memory is definitely my grandma's place uh my grandma, one of my grandmas on my dad's side, um, she used to, she bakes like awesome, awesome cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that, that's my favorite, her cakes. Oh. I, I would, uh, every day after school, I would go, I would usually, I would usually like eat lunch at her place and then we would have like cake for, for dessert and whatever. So it was awesome. Mm. So you mentioned your parents wanted to move to Montreal. Did they move first and left you or you guys moved at the same time? My dad moved first. Mm. And then we stayed uh, with uh, with my mom. And then after uh, we came, everybody. Mm. Why did they move? Well, because like Brazil is a beautiful place, but at the same time is a very corrupt place and um it's 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 hard if you're not rich 
Hmm. Not that like we were like we we were we were we weren't poor or anything. Like we're good, but we weren't rich. Hmm. And in Brazil, like that difference of status of of like the middle class is like not really um we can say like uh it's like you gotta be rich that's the thing if you want to have a good life in brazil you gotta be rich that's mm. and you know and plus violence they're like not too much in my town per se like my town like yeah there there, there was shit happening but like not as much as Sao Paulo or Rio, like mm. Sao Paulo Rio is like another story, but still, you know, there's still, there's still like shit happening around. So um, it's just for a better life and like, you know, to give like me and my sister a better future and a safer future. Mm. So you're 15, you're pretty much preteen. Mm -hmm. what, what, what was it like when you first arrived? hard <laughs> it was really hard i i we arrived in january uh january 9 so it's, it's almost got it's also almost gonna be 12 years we're here now hmm. um and uh so in brazil in january first off it's summer right so it's really hot <laughs> so <laughs> We we went from like a 45 degrees to minus 27 when we mm. got here. I think it was minus 27 from what I remember. And so the cold was, at first it was nice because like we've never, me and my sister, we had never seen uh, snow before. So we were like, whoa, that's awesome. But then after five minutes and I were like, <laughs> oh no, that sucks. <laughs> like, and then after like, Three days were like oh it's just white all the time like you know, and and then and plus on top of that i didn't speak any french or english whatsoever yeah. i only spoke portuguese mm. i like i didn't even know the basic like i knew the barely because like i remember my first day of school i went to a french school because i'm in quebec and um But I, I live in the West Island of Montreal, so the West Island is more English. So the people in my class, they spoke English more. And so one of the girls, she came and she was like, she asked me like how old I was. She was like, how old are you? And then I said, Leticia, I didn't even know <laughs> that how old are you meant like, meant, meant what he meant, what he means, you know? Hmm. So then she was like, no, like, 14, 13, and I was like, oh, 15, <laughs> you know, like, it was, it was, it was hard, like, I had, me and my sister, like, we had to learn two languages in one shot, and at 15, that was hard, you know, mm. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like that you said that I, we had to learn two languages at one time, and I, I, that's right, because you didn't speak both language i didn't because <laughs> i came here i speak english mm -hmm. you know at least i have that yeah you didn't have that no i didn't have that at all <laughs> wow yeah. yeah and you mentioned your sister a lot so is she the person that you leaned on the most around those difficult times uh absolutely absolutely my sister is my rock like mm -hmm. she she's younger than me 
she is um, what I'm 27 she's 23 now she's 23 but she's way more responsible than I am like I'm gonna <laughs> be honest she's way more sometimes more mature no sometimes no she is more mature than I am and like she's just she's just she's strong as fuck you know like mm. she and she so she, I, I did I did uh, lean on her she was my only friend at first you know I had nobody like I didn't know anybody like you and I didn't speak the language you know so it was hard to make friends at first for both of us mm. so yeah yeah you're, you me too I leaned a lot on uh, my siblings when I moved here because, mm-hmm. like you said, you didn't have friends. But did you, other than the language barrier, mm-hmm. did you find it hard to make friends? Yeah, well, yes and no. Because in my class, I went to a class de carry, so like welcome class. So I was like all immigrants. So uh, it was easy on that side because like everybody was immigrants so everybody was like they, they didn't have friends or trying to make new friends so we're just like we're kind of like a little community mm. of immigrants um even like one of my friends that i met when i moved he was like one of my first friends when i moved to canada he's from the philippines he's still my best friend to this day he's like my mm. best best friend to this day and he was like one of the first people i met when I moved here um but at the same time on the, on the other aspect is like I found uh not necessarily the immigrants but like the people in my school in general um they were very uh cold I found mm. for me because I'm Brazilian so I'm used to people being very warm and happy mm-hmm. and like loud and you know and party all the time so mm. I, I, for me, um, I found the people here a little bit cold. Like sometimes I would smile at someone because I'm used to it. I would just walk and like smile at someone and they'll be like, they look and be like, who the fuck are you? Like, why the <laughs> fuck are you smiling at me? <laughs> you know? And also, um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like that was hard. And another thing is because like in Brazil, I started going out at a very young age, hmm. like 12 I was going out to bars and drinking and going out to There's clubs. No age limit. There is, but nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's technically it's eighteen, but like nobody gives a fuck. Like I remember the first time I went out, I was twelve and I was with like two of my cousins and like I think one was one of them was fourteen and the other one was fifteen at the time, <laughs> and we were and in my town because it's a small town the way we would go out like we wouldn't really go out to clubs like mm. there was like uh, the downtown area which was like four or five blocks mm. and then everybody would just like walk around and there was like bars there so we just walk in get your drink and go out and just chill mm. um, and I remember. I was walking and like I saw a bar and I like told my cousin I was like yo can you go get me a drink it's just like go yourself and I'm like dude I'm 12 they're not gonna sell it to me and she's like yes they are just go so I go and I get like a smitter of ice from the bottle the guy sells it to me and then I get out I'm walking on the street and I see cops coming towards us and I freak out. I tell my cousin, yo, hide me, like, take it, take it. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, just chill, dude. Like, calm down, it's fine. 
Then the, 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 the cops pass by me, they look at me, they look at my drink, they look at me again and they just keep walking, you know? <laughs> and then I moved here at 15 and I was like, oh, I wanna go out. And I was like, oh no, here is really 18, you cannot at all. Mm. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, that was hard too, like the not going out uh, until I was 18. Mm. but i still went out like i found my ways but <laughs> fake ids yeah fake ids are like uh, yeah I, I found ways I, I i knew people connections you know yeah exactly yeah yeah I, I love that you said that brazilians are you know party people oh let's have you know let's let's party Mm-hmm. My culture is the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. we're very warm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, uh, you hungry? Oh, you want to drink? Come over here. Mm-hmm. They won't even ask your name. They yeah. won't even say hi to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll yeah. tell the two things we'll ask. They ask you is, did you eat? And what do you want to drink? Yeah. And then you come here, and it's just like very individualistic. It's not Absolutely. that they care about themselves only. They're just I don't know. It's like it takes time for them to trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still do think that, like, because I, I, I know since I moved here, I met people from, like, all over because, like, especially Montreal is a very diverse city. And there's, like, many cultures. But I do feel that Canadians, people that were, or, or Quebecers that were born here, I'm not saying that they are selfish, but mm. they kind of are a little bit tiny bit <laughs> like you know they're they kind of like they're more like like you said individualistic or like egoistic in a way uh but it's fine it's fine like and you know that's that's how they are and it's 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 that that's okay you know mm-hmm. yeah i i completely understand you um they i know because like, they're not close to their family most of them uh, well, a lot of them are not, but like I, I know, I know some people. They're like they're they're like Quebecers or like Canadians. They are very, 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 very close to their family. Uh, but a lot of them are not, though. Mm-hmm. It, it, I guess, it really depends on the family. You know how how they're they're raised or how their family works, and I guess it depends on that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Yeah. All right. Since you're an immigrant. Montreal is pretty much an immigrant city. Like mm-hmm. majority of us are like immigrants yeah. here, right? Mm-hmm. But how was there a moment or an incident that you felt you're not welcome here? That I felt like I wasn't welcomed here. Yeah. Um. In Quebec. Because I feel like Quebec is it, some some I'm not saying all Quebecers that's not generalized, mm-hmm. but some Quebecers are very like what they call separatists, mm-hmm. whatever. And if you don't speak French, it's like oh fuck you, you don't speak French, mm-hmm. you know. So there were moments that I was like, what the hell? Because like I grew up in the West Island. And I did go to a French school when I moved here, but I went to a French school for, for, for like a year and a half because like as soon as I turned, when I turned 16, I found out that I could go to an adult school in English. Mm. And in my French school, I was very bullied. 
So yeah, that's something. I, like I was very bullied in my French school,、mm. so that's something that I felt that I wasn't welcomed. So when I was sixteen, I was like, "Fuck you! I'm going to an English school,、mm-hmm. a, like an adult English school."、Uh, so I kind of, <clears throat>、um, throughout the years,、uh, I kind of like lost my French a little bit. I didn't like lose it completely. I I, I speak French fluently. Sometimes I will forget, like. One word or an, or another, but like it happens, you know. But、uh, I, I remember one thing.、Um, one moment, I was working security,、hmm. and I was doing Oshiaga. I was at the entrance of Oshiaga. Why doing- did I not know before then? I could have gone <laughs> in for free. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I wasn't doing the tickets. I was just checking the bags and the people. So, <laughs> but、um, yeah. So I'm doing. I'm checking bags and like I'm doing the search. So, Oshiaga is a very—it's a huge festival.、Mm-hmm. So there's people from Ontario, there's people from the U.S. that come, and so not everybody at Oshiaga speaks French. There's a lot of people that don't speak French at all.、Mm. You know, so I'm telling people as the the line is moving along, I'm telling people to open their bags, and I'm switching. To French and English, you know, I'm I'm saying like I'm not saying both at the same time. This is like sometimes I'll say in English, sometimes I'll say in French.、Mm-hmm. But like, and then like at one point, I'm, I'm I'm this girl, she's passing, and I tell her, "Can you open your bla- your bag, please?" And then she's like, "Oh, we are in Quebec. We speak French here." And I'm like. Excuse me, <laughs> and it's just like oh me, on a au Quebec, il faut que tu parles, il faut que tu parles en français, yet. And then I'm like, listen, we just speak on a au Quebec, me on a aussi au Canada, and we also speak English here mm. in mm. Canada. Fait que si tu veux rentrer, open your bag. <laughs> And then she looks at me, and I'm like, "Do you, are you gonna open your bag or not? Like, because、yeah. like I'm not like you're holding the line. Like I'm not gonna be like you know." He's gonna be the bad guy. It's, yeah, it's like it's, it's like little things like that of like and like even one time I remember like I was chilling with my friends. Like we went to a bar downtown, and like we're we're like、uh, outside smoking a cigarette, and like we're we're talking in English, obviously, and. The two girls pass and they're like, "Oh, oh no, Quebec, see, on parle français." And I'm like, "Yo, can you calm your fucking shit? <laughs> like, can I speak English if I want to speak English? Like, this is a free country. Like,、mm-hmm. yo, like, calm down, you know." So that's that's like certain things that I feel not welcome.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a normal thing here in Quebec. Normal, it happens. Often, but I just want to comment on the girl that doesn't that said in Oshiaga coming into Oshiaga saying, "Oh, we're in Quebec. You should you should speak French." Yeah. Even though she's going to see artist that sings English. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. Exactly, it makes no sense. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Yeah. But. You wanna? I wanna go back a little bit on.、Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that you got bullied in high school. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like、uh, there was like this specific girl. Um.、Uh, that she was like. 
the popular girl at school, you know? Uh, she was very, very loud, extremely obnoxious. Um, and she used to bully me a lot. And for whatever reason, she just picked me. And she used to call me uh, lesbo, gay, na na And, like, I am. I am gay. I am a lesbian. But, like, at, the t- at that time, I wasn't out yet. Mm. And I wasn't even comfortable with myself to admit that yet you know so so that was very very hard and like at one point I got into a fight with her um at the school bus because we had the same school bus because she lived like close to my house Hmm. um and uh I got into a fight with her because like she was uh I was with my sister and we were speaking Portuguese and then she just started imitating us speaking Hmm. Portuguese but like in a mocking way you know um yeah like it was it was very annoying like it never got physical thank god Hmm. but very like she's just like all the time you know she just like on school she just like make little comments and just like with her friends and just like laugh at me and like whatever Hmm. and i and like it was hard it was hard you know but Did did you ever fight back uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, at one point, I said um, she was calling me a lesbian or whatever, and I was like, "Why?" Do, well, I was like, "Why are you after me? Do do you want some? I'm like, are you interested? <laughs> like, is that why you're like annoying the shit out of me all the time? Do you like? Do you want to make out with me or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, because it's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. And then she'd shut up at that point. Mm-hmm. And she walked away because she didn't know what to say. Uh, yeah, that was one of the times. And then, yeah. But at some point, she stopped. She, but I, actually, no, she she didn't stop. She, I, I got out of that school. So <laughs> that's how it stopped. Mm. But um, yeah, it, it, it was annoying. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. No, it's okay. Have you forgiven her? Yeah, well, yeah, like she, she's just dumb, you know, and like dumb people and like insecure people, they don't know what they're doing. They're just, just stupid. So like, I just feel bad for her. So I forgive her because I feel bad for her. There's, Hmm. you know, I don't have any like, any bad feelings because she was just dumb. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You mentioned that you're a, a lesbian. Yeah. When did you come out? I came out. Uh, I was twenty years old. Hmm. Uh, so seven years ago. Um, I waited until I had a girlfriend to come out because I didn't want my parents to be like, "Oh, it's just a phase." Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like and that if I said that I was because at first I came out as bi, actually, because I did date a guy, um, one guy, it's like my only exception. <laughs> and I actually dated him like, even after I dated girls, like I went back with him. He was like my first boyfriend. And then I dated a girl. And that's when I came out. 
Mm. And then I dated him again. But him, it was just like I was, it was his personality and the person that he was that I was attracted to, you know? Mm. Um, so that's why he was my my exception. Because um, he was a really, really nice, cool guy. Mm. Really amazing person. Um, but uh, yeah, so I waited until I had a girlfriend to tell my parents. Because also... Uh, Cause I, I feel like I always knew, mm. like, obviously I always knew, but like, and that Todd was always in my mind since I was a little kid, but I was always like, Oh no, it's just a Todd. Like it's wrong. Cause mm-hmm. my family is very religious. So I was always scared of, of like, and I grew up learning that being gay is a sin <laughs> or whatever, you know? So it was, I was scared of, of accepting that, you know? So it was, mm. I always pushed it away. So Yeah. But finally, when I had a girlfriend, I was like, fuck it. Like, and I, plus I was in Canada, so I felt like here's more accepted. It's more, you know, so I felt like I felt better um, coming out at that point. Did your parents or family accept, accepted it well, or how did they take it? Um, my sister was the first one I came out to. She was the person that I thought was going to take better. She was the one that took worse mm. from, like, everybody. She didn't talk to me for, like, a month. Like, only mm. the necessary. Uh, my mom, because, like, when I told my mom she she wasn't here, she was in Brazil, so I told her through Skype. Mm. And she, her first reaction, it was like, she was like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I asked, because she did ask me many times, when I, while I was growing up, if mm. I was, and I was always like, no, no, no. Um, Why? Was there instances that shows that you are? Uh, I, I was, I've always been a tomboy. I've always like wear like wear like uh, l- like big like sh- like guy shirts and mm. like a hat backwards. Like mm. always, always, always. Since I was a kid, I'm a very, very tomboy. I always had like more guy friends than girlfriends. Like at school, I'd always chill with the boys. I'll never chill with the girls. I was always with the boys. So uh, she had those the, those ideas, you know? So um, that's why. But even to this day, like, she accepts it. And she knew. But she still, she's still like, she still says that she wishes that I end up with a guy. Mm. Even though she knows that's not never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> she says that. But, Yeah. And my dad was the worst. No, mm. my, da- my dad, because my dad, I never really had a talk with my dad about that. We never like sat down and talked about it. My dad called me <laughs> with my, my, my first girlfriend. So that's how he found out about it. You were at home? <laughs> I was at home. <laughs> yeah. I was at home and my dad called me and like, that was really bad. Mm. And like, and then apparently, I don't know, because we never had a talk, but my mom told me that he told her that he wanted to jump off the balcony. But, like, we live in a building. We live on the second floor. So he wouldn't even die. He would just hurt himself and, like, give us trouble because we would have to take care of him. <laughs> so, so yeah. But we never really... But, like, now he's chill. Like, uh, he he knows. Like, my whole family knows now. Even my family in Brazil. My grandparents, they know. Mm. Um, everybody knows now. And everybody's very uh, accepting of it. Um, even like uh, my ex, 
uh, my ex-girlfriend, she, she came over like last Christmas, uh, you know, she case she, she would, she would be here for my dad's, for my parents' birthdays and everything. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. You said that your sister took it worst. Do you think she felt betrayed? Because you guys were so close. I don't think she felt betrayed. I think she just didn't. Because, like, we talked about it. And the thing is, like, she said that her main problem was my girlfriend at the time. She did not like my girlfriend because she knew my girlfriend because my girlfriend, she would come over all the time, but she was like my friend, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And then like the way I came out to my sister, it was Christmas. And we were we, like, we went to buy Christmas gifts and I was like, oh, I have to buy a gift for Michelle. And then she's like, why are you buying a gift for Michelle? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because she's my girlfriend. And then that's when she was like, you know, and then she just like turned and then she just didn't talk to me at all mm. from that moment on. And so, like, we talked and she said she was like, but her main problem was Michelle. She didn't, she didn't like Michelle. So she was like, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that you were gay. Like, yeah, it was hard to understand too, because like you're a sister and it's just, it's just like, I, she just felt like he was here. And my sister too, she was brought up in a very religious uh, way, you know, so had with all those ideals and everything. So but but after but now she's good with it now now everybody's fine with it yeah. yeah she accepts it yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i like that earlier you said that in high school you weren't ready yet to yeah. come out no right uh, there was a quote from rick martin when he was with uh, he was being interviewed by oprah mm -hmm. and he says that you know it's about being ready i'm not ready yet no it, it, it it's hard you know especially especially like because rick martin too like he's latino right so he is probably his family is probably very religious too he's probably brought up in a very religious setting too hmm. you know and like it, it's hard when when you grow up and in, in, in the setting like this when everybody's telling you that it's wrong and it's a sin and you can't it's hard to accept yourself you know hmm like you need to be ready and like you need to be okay with yourself once you're okay with yourself and you accept who you are then you can share that with everybody but you need to do that yourself first mm -hmm. yeah you're right yeah. i bet you felt that weight lifted up when you say by the way oh yeah 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 it was huge it was a huge weight like i i thought so liberated and so like i'm like oh, okay i can be myself now i don't need to hide i still had to hide a little bit because my mom she didn't want my grandparents to know because she's like they're old and if they find out they're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> they won't <laughs> die but uh, yeah uh, yeah but like finally like with like one of my exes like he got pretty serious we even moved in together like mm. we lived together for like almost two years so uh at that point i was like yo like they they gotta know like i'm living <laughs> with the girl you know and like uh but my grandparents they accepted pretty well better than my parents better than my sister like really my, yeah my grandma she was like she was like as long as you're happy i'm happy you know like i don't care like yeah they accepted pretty pretty well 
That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, grandparents are awesome. They are. They are. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for being honest, by the way. Oh, no worries. So, I know you work with kids that have special needs. Oh, yeah, I did do that. Yeah. What did you do with them? Uh, it was a, it was a kind of like a daycare. Uh, not only kids, adults as well, all ages. Okay. Um, uh, so it's like a lot of people with uh, autism, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral paralysis, all kinds of like heavy mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, they would come to the daycare. They're, they're, the most of them lived in like residences. In like residences, pretty like boring. There's not much for them to do so their families would send us to the daycare because we would do activities with them we'd bring them to the park uh we'd play with them um yeah how old were you when you got the job i was i think i was 22 or 23 Mm. Uh, yeah 22 or 23 at the time yeah and how did you get it Random, I just applied. I was like desperately looking for a job and I just, uh, I was literally applying for everything. I wasn't even like looking at the job description. I was just apply, 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 apply. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they called me <laughs> and then they're like, oh, you, you. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what is this? It's like, oh, it's like a daycare for people with mental illness. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, can you come for an interview? I'm like, sure. So like I went for the interview and they're like, oh, okay, cool. You can start tomorrow. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like I thought you needed to have some kind of background. <laughs> background. Like, well, like, yeah. Or like some kind of like a study on that, you know, like a, a preposé or something, mm-hmm. you know, but no, they're like, oh, here, you got the job. But I was like, <laughs> okay <laughs> i guess no one's applying yeah well it was very uh, well, they paid minimum wage and like mm. it was it was but it was very very intense too you know because sometimes you have crisis some people would have crisis some they would get violent like we, we we had to call the cops at some point because one of the the guys with autism he got extremely violent and he was just like throwing shit everywhere, throwing chairs. Like he pulled like the hair of like this girl that was like in a wheelchair, hmm. and like uh, you know. So sometimes it was tough, you know. And not only that, we had to change them. Oh, like change diapers of adults, Ooh, like adults, dude. like it was, and like in the, for in the, minimum wage. For minimum wage, you're a saint. <laughs> thank you <laughs> we're like not only me everybody that worked there were saints like we had to do that we had to feed them we had there was like some people that they had to they had uh to eat to through like their belly to tubes, to tubes yeah. you know and we had to do that i'm like oh, i don't have i don't have the credentials to do no. that. <laughs> i'm like yo what do you like okay like just the manager she came and she taught me how to do it it's pretty simple it's not hard at all it's simple mm. But still, like, the responsibility, you know, and you have to give them medication and whatever, and you're getting minimum wage for that shit. Like, I was, like, even at some point, I was, like, yo, this is, I worked there for, like, two years. I left because uh, I started school Hmm. for audio engineering. 
So that's that's why I left because I really liked, even though it was a minimum wage job, mm. and it was very hard. I loved it because I love the people, you know, like, and I love the their smiles when I would play with them. And I had like my favorite. He was uh, had Down syndrome. He's like old. He he actually he passed away recently. Mm. Um, he he was the cutest <laughs> you know he had down syndrome and he's like he was like 60 years old or something he had like big cheeks and he mm -hmm. talked like a baby and he walked like a baby and he was like grumpy sometimes you know he wouldn't let people play with his toys but he was like <laughs> my baby <laughs> you know um but yeah like i loved it i loved it for for the people it was fun you know it was fun to see to see their smiles you know because uh, wow. It, it, they they live a hard life you know mm -hmm. so is this the time that you became a security guard as well uh no that was before oh so you I were was a security, security guard. guard before what did you do like other than the oceaga thing uh well i was mostly doing because i got like a temporary license and it was mostly for the summer festivals because like mm. there was this company that they were in charge the security company and they were in charge at the time of all the summer festivals in Montreal. So they would give people temporary license, meaning that we wouldn't have to do the course. Mm. We would just pay like 120 bucks or something, get a license, security license for six months and just work for the summer festivals. And that's it. How you fun know? was that? It was super fun. It was, <laughs> it was it honestly like I got to watch some concerts for free on the stage like i remember that was like one year i think it was lord that was headlining or something i don't i'm not sure if she was headlining or like if she was like before the headline whatever but like finished my shift right when she started so i just like ran to the main stage <laughs> and i just like i was like get out of my way security going through i get to the <laughs> gate i get to the gate and then the guy looks at me he says my fucking security uniform is like go in i go i go like right like next to like right on top of the stage and i'm just chilling and watching lord like right on my face i watched metallica right on my face she mm. was just like many 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 awesome shows and that's like one of the things that made me want to go into audio mm. and live i love doing live live is very very stressful it's like insane because like if shit grows wrong like usually is our fault like usually they put their, their fault on the sound engineering engineer people mm. anything goes wrong in a live show it's our fault yeah <laughs> so, you have the most buttons to push and pull uh, yeah yeah it's, it's a very stressful thing but it's awesome you know mm. I, I love that i love that adrenaline i love that stress that like we have to go 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 don't fuck up you know mm. and everybody's just mean everybody's so mean to each other like fuck you what are you doing put the fucking game what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like it's 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 intense you know yeah. like but it's fun it's fun who are the artists you worked with? Um, like since I graduated, I worked at for Supa. I haven't worked in like with artists mm -hmm. specifically. I worked for Subpack. What's that? Uh, Subpack. It's um, it's like this company that they make um, this uh, haptical sound system. So. Okay. 
basically it's like something that you could put on your chair or you can wear as a backpack. There's one that you can wear as a backpack. And basically everything that is under 200 hertz, like you plug your music or your movies or like your video game into it, whatever you want to plug into it. And then everything that is under 200 hertz is going to be transferred to the pack through you and it's going to vibrate. Mm. It's like a bone conduction uh, system. You, you feel the bass instead of hearing the bass. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, so um, they sell a lot to, like, uh, sound engineers and whatever because when you're mixing, usually the bass is something that is very complicated to deal with when you're mixing because of the, the way bass travels the way the the uh, low frequency they travel uh if your room is not acoustically treated you can have big problems with that mm. so for sound engineering people it's great the sub pack is great because you don't need your room doesn't need to be acoustically treated for bass because the bass is going straight to your body mm. you know the bass is not traveling in the air the, a, oh, okay. the bass is going straight to you you know um it's 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 awesome product, awesome product. So I was mainly working with them, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, mm. Also, my contract finished with them at the same time that the pandemic hit, and then um, I did some post production for audiobooks. Mm. Uh, I did uh, when uh, during this the not the summer but like the end of summer, beginning of fall a little bit. I did some live events with this company that's called Yoga Tribes. Hmm. They do uh, immersive yoga classes with like headphones. So there's like soft music and like the teacher's voice on the headphones. So it's kind of yeah, like your, if you're your, doing your positions, it, that's kind of hard to keep the headphones on. No, 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 no. Because the, the headphones that they have, they're really good. Like they, you, you can sticks. move whatever. Yeah, they stay. They stay yeah. on uh yeah so that's pretty much i did some uh, some live uh uh with like uh, silent movies that was like uh this uh this group that they were that was like they would show a silent movie and but that would be a live band playing to the silent movie oh that's cool yeah so i did like the sound for them and like just gigs like that like right now it's mainly like I'm mainly trying to get gigs as much as possible, mm. but, but it's hard. It's really hard with the pandemic. It's been really, really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my question is, do you really use all the buttons? <laughs> um, it depends. It depends on what you want to do with the song. Like, you can try shit out and be like, I want to press all the buttons and see what the <laughs> fuck happens. You can always do that if you want. It's okay. <laughs> but, like, but usually if you know what you're doing, you know where to go, and you know which bus buttons to press mm-hmm. when and when they needed to be pressed. <laughs> but it depends. It depends, you know. Sometimes you just feel like having fun and you can't press all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the days... When they record, the whole band is in the room, mm-hmm. right? Pretty mm-hmm. much. Do you prefer that, or do you prefer recording them individually? Um, 
I, 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 it depends. Like if, if like, if let's say, um, I have someone that is like playing the guitar and singing at the same time, but it's like, they, they have that sometimes, sometimes because like if if let's say i record someone that plays the guitar at the same time while they, they sing um sometimes it's better if you do it at the same time because like if they are they're used to play like that and if they sing without the guitar they might lose the, the vibe mm. um and you don't want them to lose the vibe usually the vibe is very important you yeah. know it's like one of the most important things in a song so because the thing is like when you record them all at the same time you can have a lot of bleeding in other mics and that means that like i can have on my mic that is recording the guitar for example mm, okay. i can have the drum sound in that mic so when i'm gonna mix it i'm gonna have like when i look at my guitar track I might have a drum sound in my guitar track. So if I want to edit my guitar track in some way, it might affect the drum sound because I have bleeding of drum sound in my in my guitar track. So, so complex. I, it is very complex. So I prefer I prefer I prefer like recording separately. But it can be done all together. It can mm. be done as long as you know what the fuck you're doing and how to deal with the bleeding and all of that. If you know how to deal with those things, it can be done, but it's just more complicated. Mm. It's I, I find personally. Is that what gives you the most challenge as a sound engineer? Um, the most challenge as a sound engineer uh no not necessarily i'd say not necessarily i feel like the the, the biggest challenge as a sound engineer is finding a job <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest challenge as a sound engineer <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard world especially being a woman because it is a male-dominated industry so but now it's getting more and more open to a woman but it's still very hard, you know. Mm, for sure. No. no. Who's the f musically inclined in your family? Where do you get your talent from? My mom. Mm. <laughs> My mom. She used to be. Uh, she is a singer, and she she used to sing in the church. And uh, when she was younger, uh, she 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 used to have a band, mm. and she used to play at uh, bars and whatever. Uh, yeah, I got it from her. You sing too. I do. Yeah, yeah. I got I got that from her too. Mm. She's always she's always she's a she's a very uh, good critic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like when I do my singing, she's always like, if I'm singing in my room, whatever, like I'm doing a cover of a song or something, she'll come <laughs> in and she'll be like, "Oh no, you need to to fix that." You know, <laughs> You, you like you fucked up there. Do it again. <laughs> Change that tone. Like no, like yeah, she's she, she's very good. You appreciate it though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes like she doesn't. Sometimes I annoy her with that because sometimes like I'm doing a song and I'm like, mom, and then she's like, what? I'm like, can you come check a song? And she's like, 
come on. She's like, no, not now. And I'm like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you write your own songs? Uh, no. I wish, though. I wish. Like, I... I, I really wish I could, but like, I don't know why I, I have a blockage with that. I was never able to write anything. I've tried, mm. but I'm not. It's not my thing. My which, thing is, uh, yeah. Which part is the hard for you? The playing the musical instrument, putting the music, or the writing part? I feel like the writing, the writing and finding the melody with the lyrics to the song. Mm. What I'm mixing is different because mixing is kind of like, for me, it's like kind of like a meditation. I get into like a meditation state mm. when I'm mixing and it's just like, I'm just like so in the zone that is like, I, like I could go like 10 hours Usually it doesn't take that long, but I could like if I if I'm mixing for like ten, like I could go ten hours like it and just be like on my computer and like not even eat, go to mm. the bathroom or anything. Like I'm just like in it, you yeah. know. Yeah, that like, vision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. You said meditation. Do you meditate? I do. Yeah. I do every morning. Do you have one of the mantra and everything? Uh, well, yeah, I do. Uh, I do guided meditations. Because like I find that I find that easier for me to to like because I feel like if I just try to meditate just myself with myself, I I can focus on like my breathing or whatever. My mind always just like wanders and like mm. goes everywhere. But I feel like when, with the guided meditations, there's like someone saying like, okay, now breathe that way now think about that now you know like concentrate on that and like that's easier for me like i do it on gaia there's like this website called gaia.com mm -hmm. so i do my meditations there mm -hmm. we're reverse i'm i, I don't want to hear the guy oh yeah because <laughs> if the guy once the guy says breathe quietly yeah. bro come on man i'm trying to focus <laughs> here man yeah so i try i prefer doing it myself Yes, mm -hmm. the thoughts wanders, but I know there's a school of meditation that tells you, teaches you that, yeah, let the thought comes in and then let it, the thought comes out. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. But I, I determined, uh, but I feel like it's like at the same time, I'm very OCD. Mm. And I, I actually do have OCD. Like mm. I, I was diagnosed with it when I was younger. Um, and I feel like. The way I meditate is a little bit like part of my OCD ritual <laughs> in a way because like I have like all the videos and then I have to go like one video in order and even <laughs> like, I, yo, you're I, doing it different I know but it's my OCD but I do love meditating though but like it, and some, sometimes if I'm high like on mushrooms or whatever mm -hmm. then I can really meditate then I'm gone you know doesn't it, like if you're in mushroom you hallucinate right it depends oh yeah not all not every time it really depends mm. it dep i guess it depends on the vibe uh, it depends on on the people on the mushrooms too because you can get shit mushroom or you can get really good mushroom so it depends on that but um like 
yeah I feel like meditating on that but for me like my the 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 the, the that that's something that I would actually like to talk about mm. ayahuasca mm-hmm. do you know what ayahuasca is I know of it yeah so I've done it <laughs> yeah yeah you're I a brave to- man it was it was it was intense. <laughs> I, <laughs> what did I went, you see? Oh, I saw God. <laughs> like, cause literally, cause I I went to Peru. I literally went to Peru. I went to the Amazon. The best way. Shaman, the right way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and I, like, in the middle of the forest, was intense. Like, I I saw. I literally, for me, my trip was like I was in the sky. That's how I woke up in my trip. I was on top of a cloud and I see this eagle, a giant eagle coming towards me. And then this eagle is like, oh, uh, you're going to come to heaven. I'm going to show you heaven today. You're going to have the privilege of talking to God today. And I'm like, okay. And it's like, but for you to do that, you're going to have to let go of a lot of negativity that's inside of you. I'm like, Mm. sure. As I say, sure, I start puking and I'm puking and I'm puking and I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, but it's literally, I feel like every time I puke, I feel like there is like this negative energy coming out of me every single time. It's like this negativity go getting out of me. So I'm like literally purifying my body, you know? Yeah. And so finally, like I finish puking, we go and then like I see uh, there's like this huge pyramid. Um, and I knew there was like this huge light on top of the pyramid. And then like, I knew that that's where we we're going. That's where God was, whatever. So um, we start going up the pyramid and I'm laying down on the, the mat in Shavasana. And every time, cause the eagle that was like with me, she told me, cause it was a she, and I was calling him mother for some reason. Every time I would talk to the eagle, I'll call him mother. Mm. Um, and she told me, like, there's going to be things that are going to try to distract you from getting to the top of the pyramid because you have a limited time with us. Mm. So, and the, those negative energies, they don't want you to see what you have to see. You know, so they're going to try to distract you. And those distractions would come as like, little movies of like things in my life that piss me off that make me angry or like even good things like sometimes I'll be little movies about my mom or like good things that happen in my life and I would look at those little videos and Mm. I would distract myself from going up the pyramid is it like a screen while you're flying yeah it was yeah it was weird because like I was going up the pyramid and then I was like it was like they were flying by me like little videos like flying by me and Every time I would look at one of them and like I would focus on one of them, my body, which was in Shavasana, literally open, I would go to my side and close down in a fetus position mm-hmm. when I would focus on those things. And then like the ego would be like, remember why you're here, focus on the mm-hmm. light. And then every time I'd be like, oh shit, I got to focus. <laughs> <laughs> my body would open up in Shavasana again. Like I wasn't even trying. It was just it like just automatically, you know? And then when we're almost getting to the top of the pyramid, uh, the ego tells me, she's like, okay, now you're going to have to like go over your body. I'm like, excuse me. No. I'm like, uh, what? 
and he's like yeah because like where we're going your body is like it's just a vessel that you're using to survive on earth but that's not who you are mm. so and you can get into heaven with that body so i'm like oh okay <laughs> so as she's saying that i remember i was like laying down on my belly and at this point my hands were like on my belly and i could feel like my belly going up and down with my breathing and then at some point it just my hands just stopped going up and down and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> but i'm like but i knew it's still breathing but i'm like this is not normal <laughs> like my hands are not moving and then like i literally found my as if i was like getting up but i wasn't and then like i opened my eyes because i freaked out and then i felt my body like falling back down but i wasn't getting up <laughs> so then i'm like the ego is telling me don't worry about it just go like let go let go don't worry about it i'm going to stay here taking care of you nothing's going to happen just trust me go and i'm like okay so finally i was able to let go and then i just like i saw myself coming out of my body and then i saw my whole body like disintegrate like right in front of me like layer by layer it was like my skin then my muscles my bones my veins like mm. everything layer by layer and then i was just like this ball of light and energy and then like i was in this place and i was like connected to everything everything mm. was part of me and i was part of everything and it was just beautiful full of colors full of shapes full of like love i felt love and compassion mm. when i was in that place and then i just saw this being of energy that like came towards me and i was like come i'm going to show you around maybe it was an angel i don't know what the fuck but it was like it was just this being of energy and it was just like showing me and then we got to the top 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 of the the the, the pyramid and i just saw those like huge energy and it looked like the flower of life or like a mandala of some kind and it was just like expelling this like energy of like pure fucking love and compassion and that's when i realized that that was god mm. and then i just put my arms up and i was just like thank you thank you thank you just like i was so grateful for being able to see all that and be in that place mm -hmm. and then god started talking to me and then like he was showed me a lot of like you've been a bad girl <laughs> <laughs> kind of <laughs> no but it's just like showing me like a lot of uh parts of my life and a lot of people in my life and like things that needed to be worked on how to work on those things uh and um at the end i remember like god was telling me she was like you know like your almost your time is almost done with us you have to go back and i was like i don't want to go back <laughs> like can i stay i'm like yo this is beautiful i don't want to go back to that shitty place <laughs> like mm -hmm. when everybody's like hates everybody and shit you know like i was like yeah no but you got you got to you know like everybody has their mission and something that they have to do in this plane but everybody's but like nobody's from that place it's just a test it's just a phase that everything that is part of me needs to go through and everything that exists 
is part of me. Mm. Um, so, uh, and he, he told me, he was like, uh, just like, you know, all I need from you and for literally everybody in the world is just to love and be happy and just help and take care of the people next to you. That's all there is to it. They're all, mm. That's all there is to love. Just love, be happy, compassion, help, take care of the people around you. You know, that's it. You know, um, but it was crazy. Like I also saw like at one point I was chilling with God. <laughs> like it just showed me how everything is connected. And it was like, so basically like it kind of it looked like a kind of like a spider web. Mm. And like God, which was like the energy was like right in the middle and like everything was coming out of it mm. and everything was like interconnected. And I saw like people, planets, dimensions, like everything that exists connected to that one point in the middle, which is God or the source or whatever you want to call it, you know, mm. um, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. It changed my life. It really, really, really changed my life. And I think that everybody should do that at least once in their lives because it's it's important. It's important. It's 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 a medicine. It's like literally a medicine for your soul. It cleans you up. You know, it renews you. I felt I got out of there like a new woman. I remember when the trip stopped, like was done, uh, the shaman he because like we was like pitch black, uh, the place because we we did it at night too. Mm. And, did like, you go with someone, by the way? Uh, yeah, I went uh, with my friend. Okay. With one of my friends. Um, so <clears throat> he lit up the candle, and he looked at me, and I was naked, by the way, <laughs> because <laughs> when I was puking, I puked on my shirt, <laughs> so. <laughs> So I was, I just took off my shirt. I didn't give a shit. I'm like, yo, this yeah. is just a vessel that my spirit is using to survive. So I don't give a fuck. Mm. I'll be naked if I want to be naked, you know? Mm. So I took off my shirt and then like when the, the shaman like lit up the candle, my friend, he looked at me, he's like, you're naked. Your titties are out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yep. And then like the shaman was like, he looked at me, he was laughing. And then he was like, he really looked at me and he was like, you're a new woman, huh? Like, you were reborn tonight. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was so crazy because the next day, um, uh, there was, like, uh, some people that had, like, a tarantula. And then the shaman was passing the tarantula to everybody. Everybody was holding, like, this huge, ass, like, fucking tarantula. And I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm scared chillers of spiders, you know. I'm I'm traumatized from when I was a kid in Brazil because in Brazil I have big ass fucking spiders too. So I'm like, what the fuck? And then he comes to the trailer, you know, so he's like, Oh, do you want to hold it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, why not? And I was like, because like it's a tarantula. <laughs> like, no. And then he's like, he looked at me like right into my eyes and he's like, Leticia. You went through the worst last night and you're scared of a little spider. And then like when he told me that, like that fucking hit me. And I was like, bro. What the hell is this guy, Tony Robbins? I was like, yo, man, that was. And then he was, I was like, yo, 
he fucking gave me the tarantula. I held the tarantula and I felt so connected mm. to the fucking tarantula. I was like, he was part of me. <laughs> like, I, like, he was nice. It was, I was holding him soft. So soft. And it's like, you know, because tarantulas, apparently, they don't bite you. Mm. They don't. They don't. So, like, whatever, you know, like, why am I scared of you? Like, no reason, you know? That's like what I learned. Like, one of the things that I learned is like, Fear is such a bullshit feeling. It's like we are afraid usually of things that has ha- hasn't hadn't happened. Hmm. Like, because usually it was like, oh, I'm not gonna do that because I'm gonna scared of what may happen. You don't know. <laughs> like, it's a possibility, yeah, but you don't know. Like, you're not gonna know unless you try. Mm-hmm. you know like and and that's the thing like fear keeps us keeps human beings from from doing things and from experiencing things and that's why we're here we're here to experience life because it, it's so short we're here for a limited amount of time we're not going to be be in this life forever we're eternal beings yeah we're fucking eternal beings like where we when we die the death doesn't fucking exist death is just a passage way to the next chapter which nobody knows what it is but it's not the end Hmm. but this life is so short so we need to live it you know Hmm. we can't be afraid of things wise words from a wise woman (laughs) thank you so much for doing the podcast that's a you were awesome thank you so much thank you it was awesome yeah have a good evening you too bye 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 Again, Leticia, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.